Welcome to the VO School podcast. Each episode is devoted to a different facet of the voiceover industry, building your knowledge towards a comprehensive understanding of the art, craft, and business of voiceover. We are joined by some of the industry's biggest and most successful players who share their journey and the secrets to their success. Hello, hello. Welcome to the VO School podcast. And today we are talking about the Actors Union SAG-AFTRA. Now, this is a complicated subject. It's very nuanced. There are lots of opinions on this and perspectives. And um, I've assembled a little team of people who come at this from different angles. I really, really wanted to make sure that we covered a number of bases with this subject because it is difficult to get your head around as there's so much to consider and everyone's situation is completely different. Now, the union is not short of controversy. The debate rages as to whether being a union voice talent means one thing or another and if it's something you should aspire to. And like I say, it's very complicated. There are a lot of terms that we bandy around and hopefully ultimately explain everything. It is a little disjointed because um, it's such a multi-headed beast. We just address things as they come up, really. I did try and organize this in a somewhat logical way, but I'm not sure I was particularly successful in that. <laughs> However, our guests are fantastic in this and they explain things really, really well. And Speaking of which, they are Melissa Exelberth, who is a 20-year union member, Karin Guilfrey, who is a New York-based voice talent, very successful, and has recently changed from non-union into the union-slash-FICOR world. You'll find out what that means soon enough. And Dan Leonard, who is an industry veteran, but is only now considering joining the union. So um, we've got a lot of bases covered in this one. For all the links to our social media, our Zoom sessions, which will be happening next week on the Union, and Patreon, everything like that, go to our website, voschoolpodcast.com, and also find us on the Facebook group page, which is VO School Podcast or something, I don't know, just search in the search bar. <laughs> all right then, so we're going to have a couple of quick ads, and then we're going to get straight into our discussion on the Actors' Union. The National Zoo. Because sometimes you just need to stroke a llama. Instagram. Download it and start embarrassing your teenagers today. Resolve spot and stain. Because the dog's gonna drag his butt on the carpet. He just is. Engage the droid army with this Lego Star Wars Republic fighter tank. Hi, it's J. Michael Collins. And these are just a few examples of the first class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit jmcvoiceover.com and click on the demo production tab to find out more. Connect your studio to the world with IPDTL. IPDTL is a cost-effective alternative to ISDN without the need for hardware or line rental. Connect, mix, and record up to four locations at the same time, including phone patch, right from your computer. You don't need additional software as IPDTL runs in your browser, and you can even get your own ISDN number. Try a day pass for just $15, or subscribe monthly or yearly. So, for directed sessions, interviews, and of course, podcasts, choose IPDTL. Okay, so, very exciting today. We're talking about everything to do with SAG-AFTRA, the voiceover and actors union. And I'm joined by three very wonderful people, Melissa Exelberth, Karen Guilfrey, and Dan Leonard. So, hello, all three of you. Hi there. Hello. Wow, it's a cacophony of people. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> um, so, we're going to start off... Um, I'd like to go around the room and find out about everyone's situation and what they do and where they are in their their careers. And then afterwards, we're going to dive into more specific information about the union, why you would join, the benefits, some drawbacks and stuff like that and how it works. So, Melissa, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you are and how long you've been a union member and stuff like that? Well, I've been a member of the union since I joined AFTRA in 1998. 
And then before the merger, I was Taft-Hartley into SAG because of some movie work that I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's been a while. It's been a while that I've been a union member. It's 20 years. Yeah, I was oh, going to wow. say, your yeah. 20th anniversary. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Corin? I, uh, have, what's, what's the story, huh? <laughs> I, I recently um, became FICOR in February of this year. Um, so, yeah, and I, I've been a voice actor for about eight years now. Um, and the reason why I did that is because I felt like I, I couldn't lose as much work as I was doing on the, on the non-union side. Um, but we'll get more into that later. <laughs> yes, and if you're confused about what that m- word FICOR means, we'll find out shortly. <laughs> Basically yes. means you're a member, but a very special not. Type, you're not kind a of member, member. No. Okay, not <laughs> <Actually>. technically. Okay, <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> we'll get to that. And Dan, where are you with the union or non-situation? Uh, well, it's been, uh, my situation's a little weirder. Uh, I just moved to California exactly three years ago, so I'm here in L.A., after living out in the hinterlands for uh, for many years, uh, been doing voiceover since the Ford administration, <laughs> um, but um, I've I've found it very difficult to actually get into the union, uh, and I have a number of reasons why. One, I want to be able to get an agent, and agents don't seem to want to talk to me unless I am in the union. Mm. Uh, two, we need health insurance because health insurance in California is utterly insane. So it's going to take a while once I do join the union to get those benefits. Uh, but I have found it extremely confusing up until now to figure out how I'm going to join the union. Right. So so I've taken steps to understand that a little bit better. And how long have you been, Of, I mean, you say since the Ford administration, but really how long have you been doing voiceovers and non-union? Uh, well, freelance voiceover since about 2003. Right. But I yeah, was in, so I was, I, I was in radio and television for 15 years. So it's, okay. you know, same thing. All right, great. So this this chat today, I'm hoping, is going to be a bit of a replay of a phone call that I made to Melissa about three or four years ago and bent her ear for about an hour and asked her a load of stupid questions. <laughs> and you were very patient with me, so thank you for that. Um, oh, I'm going to put you through it again. Um, so first off, let's talk about what the union is and why it exists and we're not in a country that's famous for its unions, at least anymore. Um, so why does the SAG after a union exist, Melissa? What is its MO? Well, you know, it's basically... Well, sag AFTRA is the merger of what was the Screen Actors Guild and the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. Mm. Um, two different unions with a lot of overlapping work. Uh, unions were formed basically for the same reason that any union is formed and that's to protect employees from abusive employers. Right. You know, that's that's why any reason um that's 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 why any union is formed and it's the same thing. I mean, I wouldn't I don't really know all the details of the history of each of the unions, but um just from popular knowledge if you go back to the old studio system in Hollywood where they would lock people into seven-year contracts and uh you know you were just basically the hired help Mm. uh you needed protections against that and as far as after goes you know i imagine although there was a lot of work that spanned a lot of the the contracts but like television and and radio you know again employer employee situations and we're in an industry that is very sought after so there's a lot of opportunity for exploitation. Um, so it makes perfect sense that SAG-AFTRA would be a strong union in an industry where that is rife, you would hope. Um, so, Karin, why did you decide to go this route? Now, you mentioned FICOR, which we are going to get to later, but let's just let's just talk about why you decided to leave the regular non-union world and go into into this. I'm being very careful with my work. Yeah. So So I had um, one job that I did thinking that it was non-union for a toy um, commercial. And Mm. it turned out that the voice inside the toy, which was featured in the commercial, was actually a union voice. So that made the whole commercial union. 
And that's how I got my first union job. My next three union jobs were from that same company. And once you have a certain number of union jobs in a certain time period, you become what's called a must join. So you can do your first two, I think. Melissa, you can correct me if I'm you can, wrong. Y- from your first job, you, you've got 30 days where you can do as many union jobs as you want. And after that 30th day, you, you have to join for the next one. So I became a must join and this company wanted to hire me for another union job for for their um for a commercial. And so I had to make a decision whether or not I was going to do the commercial and join the union um, or tell them no and never audition for another union job again. Um, But there are lots of benefits to the union. Uh, But when I decided to go FICOR, um, it was because for, you know, seven years up to that point, I had been doing all non-union voiceover, making my entire living from non-union voiceover. Mm. And I had kind of heard rumors about the fact that you could convert work, certain kinds of work from non-union to union. Um, but I didn't really have a lot of information on that. And I felt like the clock was ticking. I also have a one-year-old. She was seven months at the time or however old she was. Um and I felt like, okay, this is like a, a do or die situation right. <laughs> for me. Yeah. And so I I talked to the lawyers. You have to talk to a lawyer um, if you want to become FICOR and, uh, and decided that I would do that then. And actually what's interesting is after I did that is when I got t- to union, I got union representation after I, I became FICOR. Mm. Um, and they were not unhappy with the fact that I can do both my representation who I love by the way but Mm. um so that so that's that but I do feel I do feel kind of guilty about it because while it was a a decision for me and my family I know that I'm basically getting all of the union benefits and doing non-union which means that I'm kind of standing on the shoulders of all of the actors who came before me and worked so hard to get these benefits and you know um work minimums and all of this stuff. And it means that I, as a FICOR person, I'm kind of just taking advantage of both sides. Well, I want to get to that a little bit later um, when we get into the weeds of things a little bit. But I want to start out by looking at reasons why a voice talent would even consider joining the union or joining the union as FICOR, which we'll explain later. Um, So when you say you were must join after you did your first job, that was only must join to do another union job, right? You, exactly. It wasn't right. required that you had to join within no, no, 30 no, no, days. No. Just to, Only just to if clarify. I wanted to take the next union job that these people were offering me. And, you know, yeah. there are lots of benefits. Like Dan was saying, um, you know, earlier, you, you get health insurance. The health insurance is amazing. I pay out of pocket now because I haven't reached the union minimum for health insurance yet. Mm. And, you know, I'm paying like $2,000 a month for a family of three. <laughs> to have health insurance. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of money. Yes. Um and so to have and so to have a health insurance plan through the union would be amazing and you also get a pension which is which is incredible for a mm. freelance actor. So and and also the fees the union fees are just they're they're better. <laughs> so So we should clarify, and it's actually not hugely well known outside of the US, particularly in Europe, that when you're a union member in the SAG-AFTRA union here in America, you are not allowed to do non-union work. And we may have mentioned that passing, but it's it's such a major consideration when you go non-union to union, because as you said there, Karin, that a lot of your work, well, all of your work at that point has been non-union, and then you essentially have to give it all up unless you convert it or you go this FICOR route. That's, that's a broad statement, and it's not completely accurate. The, the rule is, global rule one, is basically you're not allowed to do non-union work in areas where there is a collective bargaining agreement in place right. or areas that are being actively organized. So there are er- areas, there are part types of work that don't have a collective bargaining agreement in place. For instance, audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Audiobooks, a union actor can do 
union audiobooks and non-union audiobooks because it's organized by publisher. Right. There are other areas. Uh, a lot of promo work is not organized. Um, a lot of basic cable nonfiction programming, like documentary. There's no nationwide collective bargaining agreement in place. So there are areas where a union member can do non-union work. Uh, you have to be careful that you know, you're sure of the correct areas and mm. um, you're not going to get benefits because it is non-union work. So nothing will, there will be no contributions into the health plans or any of the protections. But you won't be in violation with this limited specific types of work. A lot of work that people will do to get to this point, though, things like, for example, explainer videos or e-learning, stuff like that, that is covered under the union, they will have to give up unless they can flip it, though, right? Um, it depends, again, on the exact work. Um, uh, e-learning can very easily be, be converted. It's, it's one of the easiest things to convert. Um, IVR is super easy to convert. Most corporate narration is very easy to convert if mm. the conditions are met. You know, major one is, is the rates. Right. Nobody should be doing work for $50 anyway, so. Right. Yeah, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. So, Dan, um, you know, when we started here, you were talking about, you know, you've spent a long time researching this and trying to learn about the process. But has the fact that you will potentially have to give up a non-union work become a factor in you not forging ahead and joining? Not necessarily. Uh, you know, as I'm learning, there are ways like like uh, Melissa was just saying that there's ways to convert the, this work. And uh, and I'm you know talking to, you know, the paymasters and I'm talking to people who understand like Melissa, who are great at explaining this stuff. Yeah. Um, that, uh, you know, I I shouldn't have a big problem with it. Uh, but what the advantage will be that it will allow me to explore and uh, seek out much better paying work. Uh, you know, I, I've been working in a marketplace that most people in Hollywood, you know, for a while didn't even know existed. Right. And uh, it, and sometimes I think we're talking about two completely different industries, that there are the people here in L.A. and New York and Chicago and perhaps in Dallas who are doing major, uh, you know, network, uh, national flight commercials and things like that. And there's everybody else uh, that is like, you know, they're doing their own marketing. They're making things happen. Um, you know, a lot of them have, because of the, their success, they've been able to go union. Mm. Uh, and they've been able to negotiate this uh, this labyrinth, such as it is. And uh, I think to the to the average person, whose main interest is I'm just a, I just want to do what I do, uh, and I don't want to have to deal with all this other stuff. Uh, I think there's a there's a tad of an intimidation factor in there that I'm finally learning to go. Oh, oh, that's what they mean by that, and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a whole different world. It really is. So, Karen, did you, what did you notice changed when you essentially changed from the non-union world? Did these opportunities, these huge, great opportunities fall in your lap? Um, so, let's see, this year, this year, and I have, I have an agent and a manager who I love, and they send me auditions all the time, which is great. Um, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to get them <laughs> unless I was union I think right um because that was that was interesting to to them or or I had the ability to do union work as well so I auditioned for both through both of them now actually um and since the beginning of this year I think I've been hired for five different union jobs mm. out of 125 jobs that I've been hired for this year Right. So it's a pretty small percentage of the work that I do. Were they high profile kind of gigs? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I did one union radio commercial. I did one scratch track, um, which doesn't pay very well. Um, and uh, I mean, the 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 couple of union jobs, the couple of union commercial jobs that I've done. Uh, that 
that have paid pretty well were for these toy companies before I actually joined. So, right. um, I mean, it's great. And, and you know, the auditions that I get are are exciting and I see I see the the potential there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so that's that's fun. Uh, but there are so many jobs now. I mean, part of the reason why I became FICOR also is because I do a lot of non-union commercials. Mm-hmm. Non-union commercials that pay well, some of them through my manager and agent, but but um, there are a lot of a lot of non-union commercials out there, and uh, and those are the highest profile jobs that I've done have been non-union commercials. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's. We've been dancing around it long enough, um, Melissa. Why don't you explain what FICOR is, how it works, and the um, how do I put this? <laughs> the way it's viewed from a union perspective. And why that would be a problem? It's um, well, FICOR. It's it's a you know a lot of people will say, oh well, the union has this FICOR rule. It has nothing to do with the union. This is a it's it's actually legislation, mm. um, and it comes out of the fact that your uh, legislation was put into place a gazillion years ago, and. Um, came down to the fact that your dues cannot go for anything but organizing and and negotiating contracts things like that they couldn't go for political things right. so you basically elected to it's it's the financial core so you pay the financial core so to speak of the of your dues it's kind of a side effect of that where I mean your dues only go down by by very very little it's it's almost nothing um, but as a side effect of that you're you're no longer a member mm. so you're a dues paying or rather a fee paying non-member okay. is is what a FICOR talent is that's right um, so you don't get to vote no and and you don't get screeners you don't, you don't get screeners, you don't get to vote, you don't have any say in, you know, in, in, in exactly. the union or, or exactly. anything. What you do, for any union work, though, that you do do, contributions are going into your health plan and, and your pension, um, only on the union work, obviously. Mm. But, you know, as a side effect, it's, it basically you become a fee-paying non-member, so you're not bound to Global Rule 1. Right, which is essentially a loophole that allows you to do non-union and union work to your heart's content, really. Um, but it's yeah. frowned upon. That's fair it's, to say, isn't it? For the, for the most for the most part, it ranges between um, contempt and outright hatred, depending <laughs> on who you talk to. I mean, it's it's really bad. You know, it's like I I I don't judge people. I think everybody has their own unique individual situation. And they have to make their decisions based on that. You know, I'm certainly not going to judge Karen on the fact that she's got a baby girl to take care of. Yeah. And an entire career out of non-union work. You know, who am I to judge? But the fact is, is that many um, hardcore union members do judge uh, FICOR talent. And and quite a a lot of them judge them very, very harshly. Mm. Uh, You know... Um, I don't know how it comes down on the the agency side. I wouldn't presume to, you know, it, it had it hasn't hurt Karen or a number of other people I know. Yeah. Uh, it really, I sometimes try to, I very often, as a matter of fact, I think a lot of people elect FICOR because they believe they have no other option since most of their work is, is non-union work. Mm. Um, so I will always ask somebody what the bulk of their work is. And if it's something like non-broadcast, if it's corporate work, if it's work that falls under the corporate contract, we call it the co-ed contract, mm. uh, that's work that can easily be converted to union work. Yeah. So if that's the bulk of your uh, of your income, you don't have to opt for FICOR. You can convert that and then have those contributions go into the health plan and, and your pension. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the, the benefits with the health and pension. And um, that is such a major benefit to joining the union because, Karen, like you were saying, 
when you're a freelancer, paying for health insurance out of pocket is ludicrously expensive. But the health yeah. plan is insanely good on in the union. It's so cheap and it's such great coverage. But you have to and coverage for um, your whole family too. Right, that's it. Yeah. Um, but you have to earn a, a minimum before you qualify for either of the two plans. Is that is that right? Yeah. 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 There, there are there are two plans. Just in a nutshell, I mean, there there. I'm not going to go through everything, but just in a nutshell, to give people an idea, you have to, for plan two, which is the lesser of the two plans, you have to make, it's close to $18,000 a year. It's not a calendar year. Through the union. Uh, You have to make $18,000 of union work, not... Not not only of union work, but you have to make $18,000 of qualified work. So basically what that means is if you don't have to worry about this if you're doing a straight union job, because for every union job that you do, the producer writes another check that you never, ever see. And that check is the percentage that the producer has to pay that that are contributions to the health and retirement funds. Mm. So you don't ever, ever see that. The reason I mention it is in the case of converting work, you now have to charge your client enough so that those contributions can be taken care of. Yeah. So it's not just scale. It's scale plus that percentage because that the union has to get those contributions. So if you look, say, at a Category 2 corporate narration and it says $474, you have to charge at least 16.5% more of that mm. um, because that's the percentage for under that contract that has to go to the union for those contributions, you know, plus whatever um, paymaster fees and it you could be liable for taxes that could be taken out of payroll taxes. It really mm. depends on your own setup, whether you work as an individual or whether you have a an LLC or, you know, a, mm. a, a company. Um, so there's a lot that that's involved with that. But just basically, um, so you have to, so for that 17000 almost $18,000 for plan two, if you're converting work, you have to make and convert um, the higher number uh, than, you know, every, and that number is particular to what state you're living in and things like that. So that's where a paymaster comes in. So it would be after that number is, is deducted from what the client pays, those would be qualifying, qualifying earnings. And that has to be at least scale or more. Probably some people don't know what a paymaster is. If you're doing non-union, you hardly ever work through a paymaster, yeah. you know. Yeah. But yeah. it's essentially a third party. It's a third party company that puts all the money where it's supposed to go. <laughs> well, they, they know they have to be signatory to whatever right, union right. contract they're they're working. And let's be honest, trying to negotiate the SAG website and understand how much you should be charging for a certain project is, it's like some kind of brain maze that I, I can't work out. You need the secret decoder ring. <laughs> and, one, and, and one would wonder, why is Dan confused? <laughs> That's right. Well, actually, this is a perfect opportunity. I was actually going to ask you, Dan, do you have any specific questions for Melissa while you're here? Oh, nothing that I haven't asked her before. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, you, but you've been contacting Falcon, who are a paymaster and things, and you have questions. So what were the kind of things you wanted to know? Well, I mean, it's when you look at the confusion and the you know, you know i i think the real problem is is that because it's so confusing it's like you know you know anybody in this country will know calling the irs and asking them for the right answer about something <laughs> uh you know it's like you get one answer from one person you get one answer from another person someone like melissa who's always been straight with me explains it extremely well and mm-hmm. then when you try to actually go in and do that someone will say no no you got to do this no you got to do that right. and it's very very frustrating and you know at my age you know i it makes me wonder is it worth it for me to do it right now um mm. but being here in la i can't see why i you know, i can't see why i shouldn't uh except that you know i might lose some of my work but i'll also gain much better paying work if indeed i'm good enough to get that kind of work Plus, if you're paying out of pocket for your health insurance, that's that's money you don't have to pay for, you know. Or God. I mean, the amount well, of money you pay for health insurance is negligible comparison. Yeah. Well, my it's, wife is really pushing that issue pretty hard because <laughs> we 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 really do pay through the nose for our health insurance. Yeah. So 
You would pay less for a year's of worth of health insurance than you're paying for a month. Yeah. I know. And I'll be on yeah. Medicare in a couple of years, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, though, I have one publishing client who will not pay me through a paymaster and go through the union now that I have that option. And what's their justification for that? Well, so I si- I've, I've worked with them a lot over the years, and I signed a um, like a, a vendor form in January, and then I uh, I paid my initiation fee and did all the FICOR stuff in February, and I came back to them in February and said, hey, can we now do this through the union? And they said, no, you've already signed the form, so you're locked in for the entire year, mm. which I don't know what they would do if I wasn't FICOR in that situation. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I guess... I guess it doesn't matter. They would just... What type of work is that? It's audiobooks. It's a publishing company. Oh. I don't I don't know. It seems strange to me, but, but that's at least one instance of somebody saying, no, I don't want to pay you that way. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I don't have the answer to that. I can only surmise that um, if it's a year, if you signed on as non-union for a year, then that would be a year contract and you could easily do it once that year is up. Exactly. But, um... But there, you know, you can contact the audiobook department is, is extremely responsive. Um, so you can yeah, contact. Yeah, I do other audiobooks that I convert. Um, but just with this one publisher who I work with quite a, a lot. So it's kind of frustrating because I'm trying to make my health insurance minimum. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's not getting counted, you know. Um, talk so to, talk to the, the audiobook department. Talk to, yeah, maybe to I'll talk to the Jay audiobook Love department or, about it. or Rich Larkin or, or Steve Sadawi. There may be a situation where someone is is afraid of hiring a union member because they think they're going to have to jump through a million hoops. So yeah. what is your response to someone in that situation, Melissa? Um, well, it really depends. Another thing I was going to say, I was going to suggest is that audiobook work can be converted. Mm. So there are signatory paymasters that are able to convert audiobook work um, without involving contract upheavals and, and things like that, I would imagine. So um, my suggestion is, you know, talk to the audiobook department, but also talk to a, a signatory paymaster who can convert audiobook work. I know Falcon can convert audiobook work. There are others that only do audiobook work. Mm. Um, but that's that's one solution. If you use ACX, uh, the the instructions for using Elgin as your paymaster are up there on the site. They're, it's very mm-hmm. easy yeah. to navigate. That's John. Yeah, um, yeah. So you, those those are a couple of ways that you can go um, for things like the corporate contract. And and to be perfectly honest, with a lot of things, I tell my clients that I, you know they they're going to get an invoice from they're going to be contacted by my billing company. Mm, Again, uh, there's a lot of work that that you can convert. My problem is that I just wish that the information were all in one place, and I wish that when I had made my decision in February, that I had been able to go to the SAG After website and see exactly what kinds of work could be converted and you know, maybe have a step-by-step instructions for how to do that. And because I feel like even when I, because you have to speak to the sag after lawyers when you decide to be FICOR. Um, and and they their job is to convince you not to do it for, you know, with good reason. Mm. And no one mentioned to me that it was even a possibility to convert work. And I think it's in part because the uh, sag after is um, very... Uh, on-camera actor focused more so than voiceover i think voiceover is voiceover is a part of it definitely but not the main bulk of sagaftra um so i think they just don't know that this kind of work exists and that a lot of it can be converted Mm. i agree with you totally and um and and that's that's actually being worked on Um, a, a method to get to get to get this information to people because it's important information and, you know, until very recently, everything, as you say, has been seen exclusively through the filter of on-camera. And work, voiceover work has traditionally been seen as an off-camera, on-camera job. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I, could, I could interject here. I, the one way that I think someone who's here in L.A., you know, can get as fast access as they can to try and join the union is to do extra work. 
um, you know, on, on union union jobs, but they're not always easy to do, especially when you're on a tight schedule and you've got to spend an entire day uh, hanging out and you know, and then getting your check at the end of the day or whatever, however that works. Uh, it's it's I think it's a it's one of those one of those local problems. <laughs> You know, it's. I think that's the most fascinating thing about it being here in LA is that you know we, we like to support local business, uh, but it's you've got to be able to navigate the system from the inside, from outside of LA. It's got to be considerably harder. Uh, I, I think know. with the information though that that um, with with the more information that gets out and the more people that become involved. I mean, voiceover at this point really isn't restricted to New York, L.A., Chicago. Yes, certain work is, you know, animation, you want to be in L.A. Um, a lot of the the top commercial work is in one of the three major markets. Mm. But there's been such an explosion of voiceover work over the last 20 years, 15 years, even more so over the last five and 10. And it's just... Um, all over the world. It's not even all over the country. It's all over the world. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can convert work from all over the world. Yeah. And, and most of the union jobs that I've done this year and in the past ha- have recorded in my home studio. So I could have yeah. literally been in Denver and it wouldn't have mattered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm in New yeah. York, but still. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of this discussion, I mean, Karen and Melissa, you're in New York, Daniel in LA, I'm in Philadelphia. It's interesting because, you know, on the on the coasts in these sort of major hubs where lots going on, a, a lot of union work and union projects. Karen, you just said there that you did, you've done a number of union jobs from your home studio, but obviously you had to become union eligible and all that kind of process. And being in the city, going to castings, going to studios, got you in that position eventually anyway. But I would probably wager that 90% of the people who are listening to this are in regional areas and just starting out and want to get a sense of you know where they're going in their indu- in in the industry and and is this something that they should strive to do and is it realistic um and i feel like dan probably you're reaching that point at this you know where you just want to get it done at this point but um yeah. you know if you're more regional is this something that's that's actually a realistic proposition would you say karen well, so my the first three union jobs that I got were from an audition that I did on Voice One Two Three that was non-union that got converted to union. So I really could have been anywhere in the whole country. Mm. Um, I feel like we're all just one job away from being union eligible. Yeah. <laughs> so I would agree with that. Um, yeah. So uh, I mean, and and I still, I mean the. I've only booked one union job from going to an in-person audition. And this year, in all of 2018, I've gone on three in-person auditions. So mm. I think I think that you can really be anywhere in the world and you can be in the union if you want anywhere in the world. Or you can be non-union if you want anywhere in the world. Mm. Um you know, you might have a little bit less access to certain things, but so much is recorded from from people's home studios now. It's um, thank goodness. You know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we wouldn't be doing this without that. Exactly. Yeah, it's true. I think it's more um, separated by the type of work than the location these days. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Agreed. So, what is it that you have to do to actually join the union, Karen? What is the process? So to join the union, you have to do at least one union job or be a member of one of the sister unions that includes Actors' Equity and AGMA. I'm an opera singer, so I, I was an AGMA member and and was SAG-AFTRA eligible. Um, but then you have to pay the joining fee, and it varies uh, depending on where you live. In New York, when I joined, I think it was three thousand one hundred seventy something dollars um in la i think it's similar in the middle of the country it's less as far as i know is that right melissa yeah it's it's it depends on the local but it's much less in um in other parts of the country that's right so with the work pool getting union work pool getting ever smaller and the non-union work pool growing exponentially every year how is the union going to respond to that? And is it something that is just going to somehow try and survive? Or is it going to try and fight back against non-union work, would you fight say, back. Melissa? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, um, there, there, there are there are ways, there are methods, there are um, ideas, and that are coming up on as to how to recapture some of that work. Yeah, uh, a lot. You know, it's it's finally becoming understood that voiceover has you know ten years ago, fifteen years ago, really um, become mostly non-union. Because of the ease of hiring people more than anything else, you know, I, I convert a lot of work. So the money is there. Yeah. And in, 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 in especially under the, the, the co-ed contract, the money is certainly there. Um, it's, it's a matter of ease. And the union is working on making it much, much easier to hire a union talent. Mm. So, you know, it may not happen tomorrow, but it's something that's definitely on the radar and um, and and it's being discussed and worked on. So there's there's a lot of good ideas. It's interesting if you think about it from the client side, like what is the benefit to the client in hiring a union actor and paying more? And you could argue that it's there's a level of professionalism that comes with a, with a union actor. Mm. But because so much voiceover is non-union now, I think that there are a lot of really professional non-union voice actors um, as well. So I think that that's why there are so many big companies now. It saves them so much money to do a non-union commercial. And I feel like that's why there's so much more non-union commercial work out there. Yeah, um, I can I completely agree. Um, I think there are a lot of extremely talented non-union talent, but they're in a sea of wannabes and people new to the industry and people who do it part-time and things like that it's finding them that's the hard thing yeah if you're casting a major commercial for a you know a big brand they're not going to want 500 aud- auditions yeah. just coming in from all corners of the earth so it's probably easier for them to just cast a union gig they know that you will have had to have qualified to join and become eligible to join the union and jump through a certain amount of hurdles um from a, a producer or a buyer's perspective, you know, there's not really a huge incentive because the union is there to protect the talent, not the buyer. Other than the quality issue, um, it's just a massive headache just trying to get your head around it. Dan, you know, you've spent years working in this industry and, you know, I've, as you've been very honest and, you know, you still haven't wrapped your head around it completely. And I've been a union member for a number of years and I'm still flummoxed by a lot of it too. Well, yeah. Yeah, and 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 I and I might add a lot of the work that I've been doing has not been really in the commercial realm. My mm. my area of of expertise is in e-learning and corporate narration and you know, while it's a good book of business with some very, you know, big corporate clients, it's it's not been, you know, something that I could easily convert, mm. you know, say 10 15 years ago when I, you know, when I really started getting into doing some of that work. Mm. And uh so I, I've been more intimidated by the project of the, or by the, 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 the process of trying to get in the union than probably actually trying to get into it. Right. But I'm, I'm easily intimidated. Just ask <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> I'm intimidated by Melissa too. <laughs> hey, come on. <laughs> You're what great, but this? a little scary. <laughs> we say it affectionately. Yeah, exactly. I'm it's, five feet it, tall. It's, <laughs> it's because she's a smart, outspoken woman. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> that's, that, Thank that's, you, That's Karen. definitely the case. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> those, those are always intimidating. Those yeah, smart, smart outspoken, outspoken women, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, I think that is such a major hurdle to to people joining the union, people hiring union talent, is just the transparency of the whole process. I wish, like Haran was saying, I wish there was a, a very clear guideline that you know you go to a website and it's a brainless explanation of how the thing works, and you can plug in. I've got a commercial that I want to hire a union talent for. This is where it's being broadcast. This is the number. You know, and you this know. is where the paymaster becomes your best friend. Yeah, yeah. Having a relationship with a signatory paymaster is worth its weight in gold, as far as getting answers that immediate answers. Right. They know the yeah. contracts. They know the contracts inside out. Well, speaking of contracts, um, this new media contract is uh, is all the rage right now. So why don't you explain a little bit about? why that was created and um, how it's changing the landscape a little bit for union people. 
Um, well, you know, I'm I'm not. You, I'm not all that up on the new media contract, to be perfectly honest, because mm. um, I don't really do work under that contract. Right. Um, I know it's it's free negotiation unless things have changed, um, which makes it very very easy for a new media project to to be done under a union contract. You know, it's it's just everything has been streamlined, and and um, you know, again, unless unless rates have been changed, it's pretty much free negotiation and there's deferred payment. Um, so it, it offers a little more flexibility in terms of what you can charge yes. a buyer. Is that Would that be fair to say? Pretty much. Yeah. So you're not restricted by union minimums in the way that you would be for a commercial or an audio book or something like that? No, I mean, you know, you still have to, There, there's paperwork to be filled out and, mm. you know, it's still, you still have to do a ton of paperwork, but... But it's 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 much more flexible as far as hard numbers go. Right. It's much more flexible as to what um, you need to be paid and when you need to be paid. Right. And one thing that we haven't talked about, which is a huge benefit to being in the union, is residuals. Now, they're not mm-hmm. exclusive to union people. Um, you can get residuals for in the non-union world, but it's up to you to chase that up and good luck with that. Um, so residuals for commercial and that kind of stuff is a huge part of a lot of people's income. So, um, Karen, was that a, was that a motivation for you to join the union? Well, it's so interesting because you only get residuals really if it airs on a network station and who watches network TV anymore, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's like mostly cable. So I feel like, and the cable buyout rate is not too expensive. So I feel like a lot of companies just go that route instead of the residuals route. But if you get a commercial where you are... You get residuals on cable spots? I mean, my residuals that I got on cable spots were pretty minimal. And it could be because it was a kid's toy commercial, so it was only airing on kids' networks. Um, But I mean... I don't know. Residuals are great because you look in the mail and you're like, wow... Yeah. Here's a check that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> yeah. And and that's awesome. But but um I feel like those big I feel like those big commercial jobs where people would like buy a car with their residual checks is they're fewer and fewer. Yeah. Yeah, the big the, the class A spots where you got paid for every every time it aired. Yeah. Yeah. Um you know, mostly now everything is what's called wild spots which is paid by locality or region for 13-week cycles. Mm. Right. Yeah, but, you know, Class A spots still exist, but, you know, they're not part of your day-to-day working class VOs. Do you find, too, Melissa, that many of those Class A spots are voiced by famous people? <laughs> A lot I was going to say. Yeah, more and more. A lot of them are, but not all of them. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... I mean, if you get yeah. one every couple of years, I did a couple of them, and they've paid an unbelievable amount of money. <laughs> and uh, you know, I haven't had one for a while, but when they when they come along, they're lovely. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what it. I kind of meant about I see the potential in the auditions that I'm being sent, even though in the you know I don't know how many months it's been six months or five months since I since I've had the opportunity to audition for these things, I haven't had that like big commercial. I see the potential there. And and it's and it's awesome. I have to say one little story. How I booked one of those was, I went to an in-person casting in New York, and the casting director, who shall remain nameless, who I haven't seen for years, um, could not have been any less interested in the process, and was playing with his or her dog. <laughs> wasn't listening. Wasn't directing anything. And uh, so I was kind of, you know, a little little peed off. And when I booked it, the guy was like, yeah, I really like the way this sort of like bad attitude you had in the, the audition. It was it was really great. So it was compl- if I hadn't have had that experience, I wouldn't have <laughs> booked that gig. So you can't really rely on these these kind of jobs happening because it can be just down to completely random elements. Um, but yeah, they're nice when it happens. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and, and that's why we all do it, hoping that, you know, the that the big tuna is going to swim up to us one of these days and we'll be able to hook it. And, uh, you know, I've had a few national flight spots and, you know, and then they're like, wait a second, we have another one you, we, we need to do. And here's the contract on this. 
And it's like, yeah. for how much? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoa. I know. You know, I'd like to be able to do this three, four times a day. But, you know, not happening. Yeah. Sometimes that that's where, you know, the whole, um, you'd book one of those a year or book a campaign like that, you know, and, and it just, yeah, the, those spots have paid people's mortgages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you can't yeah. possibly rely on them. And, and they're changing as, as you know, the... Yeah. Everything is going pre-roll, and like Karen, Karen was saying, that you know, network commercials are not what they were. Um, yeah. And everyone's watching Hulu and Netflix now. That's right. I know. <laughs> so you touched on it quickly uh, a little bit earlier, there, uh, Melissa. Sorry, this is so Melissa-centric. Melissa is the expert in this. Um, She's she the exobirthic. She knows. Oh. <laughs> I know what I know, and I don't know what I don't know, but I'll tell you what I don't know. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so of course, also you pay into your pension when you're, uh, you have a pension that comes along with your union membership. So, I mean, I have no idea how that works at all. So could you explain that? Well, just in a nutshell, um, the contributions go to the health plan and um, one of two pensions. The... When when SAG and AFTRA merged into SAG AFTRA, um, it took a few years. But as of the beginning of 2017, the health plans were merged because what had been happening over the decades is that people who collectively would have made enough money if you took all of their union earnings together weren't qualifying for either health plan. Yeah. So they came up with a method to merge the health plan so that whether you're making money in what is determined to be SAG work or after work, um, it would still go to the same health plan. Work is basically, in a nutshell, it's divided up. And here, since the pension plans are not merged, here's where it becomes important. There's work that was legacy SAG work and work that was legacy after work. So certain work, the contributions, the pension contributions go to the SAG uh, pension. So, in other right. words, if you take um, TV commercials, okay, those contributions go to the SAG pension plan. If you take radio commercials, those contributions go to the after retirement plan. Okay. So there's there's if your purpose is to structure your work in order to focus on a particular pension retirement plan, um, then you need to look at the types of work that mm. you're focusing on. I think there's a list. There was a list on the old SAG after website. Um, oh, wait, it, maybe it's it's on the, the health plan site. Yeah, it, oh, I think it's it on the, yeah, the SAG together. after plan site that yeah. will actually break down and tell you which contract mm. um, the, the, the work goes to or it, it's, it's something to that effect. Um, so... You don't want to be out. You want you want to be focused on the type of work you do. If you're actively, if you're running your business, your voiceover business, like a business, and not just sitting back and waiting for people to send you auditions, um, and you have the opportunity, you know what you're good at, and you have the opportunity um, to be able to hyper focus the work you're going to go after, and that you're going to market to yourself which mm. is really what good voice, you know, successful voiceover talent, union and non-union union do these days. You have to. Mm. Um, then Amen. you can focus on, on <laughs> getting those contributions to the plan that you want. Each plan is a five-year vesting period, like any pension plan. Right, so you have to put into it for five Wait, what does that mean? Well, that means um, that basically it's like, like, like any retirement plan. Um, you need to make a minimum in order to get a credit, in order to to Mm. have a one-year credit for, you know, a credit for that year for either plan. Um, They're they're different minimums. They're not too far apart, though. And you need five of those credits in order to then gain any benefits from the plan. Right. I'm with you. But that's like if you were hired for a job, any job, that would happen. So, Dan, you got to, you got your work cut out. <laughs> huh? What? Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 been a frustrating process. There's an awful lot you got to know, but there obviously are people there that do know what they're doing, and uh, and I'm I'm I think the problem is I have not been talking to the right people in the union office itself, mm. and uh, I've I've asked a number of people who are 
higher up in the chain, like Melissa, and uh, they've talked. They've told me talk to this person, talk to that person. So that's part of my process actually next week uh, of of taking care of those sorts of things. So I can I can take advantage of all these wonderful benefits that the union has. Yeah. You know, get talking about the benefits. Um, we were talking about them earlier. Where the the inferior plan is is you need to have close to eighteen thousand dollars of qualified work. Mm. But what the inferior plan is is an eighty twenty split. So in other words, the plan pays it. You know, for in network, it's the plan pays eighty percent and you pay twenty percent. Yeah, and the deductibles are very low. Yeah. <laughs> and the premiums are are incredibly low. I mean, you know, you're talking about less for a year than you would pay in a month. It's about 400 bucks a quarter. I mean, that's pretty much what it was, I believe, something like that. Yeah, it's actually less than a little less than that. Um, and you can all of that information is on the SAG After Plans website. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and and then the better plan, which you need um, close to 34,000 in qualified mm-hmm. earnings. That's a ninety percent, ten percent split. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, it's it's the it's excellent. It really is. So we're bouncing around here a little bit because we're getting close to the end, and I'm just wanting to get all these different random elements in here. And for, I was hoping it would be a bit more of a, a flow through the the union world, but it's just such a, a maze. This subject we're kind of jumping around a bit. Um, how do you get a good agent is it required that you are a member of sag aftra or can you be a non-union and then convert or are they looking for one or the other how does that work um Def- or is it define changing? good agent someone known in the industry yeah that's that's true that's true one of the major agencies that you will have heard of put it that way it it depends i think from 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 what i've seen uh they won't even talk to me uh you know, I'll send in demos, and they'll—I don't even get a response. Mm. If I do talk to somebody, the first question is, "Are you union?" And then they're suddenly like, "You're—you're you're not your persona non grata," which has been frustrating mm. and not very fair, and rather blind, I think, on a lot of uh, agents' parts. Mm. But I don't think that's the union's fault. I think that's the some of the these big talent agents who are just totally bypassing some amazing talent because. They're, they're looking only at the union instead of finding really good talent and helping them get into the union. And they're not, don't seem to be very helpful towards that. How does that sound? Yeah, no, that's very honest. It's, it's kind of a catch-22, I think, because in order to get a union job, you have to audition for a union job. And you can audition for a union job as non-union, but in order to get those auditions, you kind of have to have a union agent because mm. there aren't you know, online websites where you're going to see union auditions um, or, you know, other ways really to audition. You really kind of have to have an agent. I didn't get my agent and manager until I sent out emails saying, hey, Karin Guilfrey can do SAG after work. I'm FICOR. Um, and then and then I had a bunch of people call me back and say, hey, and I chose two of them. Um, so that's my journey. Yeah, and do you think that's changing, Melissa? Do you think, um, particularly, we had a a major event happening in the voiceover world where uh, one of the online marketplaces purchased uh, VoiceBank, which is where a lot of union work was found um, and cast. Uh, do you think that's going to be changing anytime soon? The sort of agents' approach to union versus non-union talent. Well, um, you know, to to be perfectly honest, um, I don't know. I mean, from the from an agency's point of view, I would imagine that, um, you know, agencies right now are they're not having the easiest of times with you know all of these all of this non union work and all of these agencies out there and all of these online casting sites and mm. you know. I mean, a lot of the, you know, some of them, well, one of them in particular is looking to put agents out of business. Mm. So, um, you know, you really, you can't blame agents for focusing on what has always been tried and true business sense for them, which is, um, you know, not dealing with, they've got enough on their plates. They don't want to, maybe they don't want to deal with having to then Taft-Hartley or having to make, you know, have, help somebody join the union. Right. There's There are plenty of union talent out there that are excellent at what they do. Yeah. Um, and 
they're already union. So, you know, un- unless an agent takes a particular interest in a particular person, there's really no reason. And I don't see that they would actually have the time to devote to seeking out non-union talent. It's different. It's 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 not yeah. the way it used to be. You know, agents don't have time for for all of that. Um, I, you know, with what's going on with with Voices.com, I have no problem saying it. Mm. Um, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. It's apparently from what I've seen, from screenshots I've seen, they make it while they purchased VoiceBank and with that say that they do cast union work, the, from the screenshots I've seen, it looks like they're making it difficult to or more difficult to hire somebody who's union than to hire somebody who's non-union. And, and they, they, they charge a fee for that. So, um, you know, I don't know. I, th- I think that everything is, I think things are going to go back to the way they used to be in that agents are, there are, there are agents that never, ever um, were concerned with the way voiceover has changed because they've got their personal um, their personal relationships. And mm-hmm. this business comes down to relationships. Yeah, sure does. And I think these agents haven't been affected as badly as many of the other agents. And I think now is the time when agents are going to go back to developing and nurturing those personal relationships. And, um, and that's, that's where the work is going to come from. That's where the agencies are, are going to stay or become more successful and those that just rely on technology aren't going to have a very successful time of it. I hope you're right. I think unfortunately though, in the culture that we live in, so much is about convenience and ease of use. Mm -hmm. And for a a production company, if they know like, okay, we've always had really great results from contacting Abrams, you know, so let's call them and see and have them audition for this. Um, this commercial that we're doing, this is the easiest way for us to do it. That That's going to be what they'll do. Yeah. But for a company that's newer and they don't have established relationships yet, and there are new companies popping up all of, all the time, the first thing they do is a Google search, you know, yeah. probably. <laughs> and, and the easiest thing that pops up is going to be the thing that they choose. So mm. I think it's up to the agents and us as voice actors and um, the union to make hiring union talent as easy as possible so that when they see, all right, we want somebody really professional. We want a union talent. Here's where I go. Here's how we get it done. And then it's just done. Because if they have to like call a bunch of people and jump through all these hoops and fill out all this paperwork, it just becomes yeah. more trouble than it's worth. And they're paying more. So I I think, I think that, and, and it, it's just a, a, this is where our whole culture is headed. You know, mm. I think about taxi drivers and like Uber has not been a great company, but mm. I use Uber because it's convenient, <laughs> you yeah. know, even though I know that it's hurting the taxi driver unions and some of those people have been working for year decades and I should be supporting them probably. But when I need a car seat, Uber has car seats. So I yeah. use Uber, you know. That's funny. <laughs> no, I don't use Uber for, well, for a, a couple of reasons. One, um, I'm not sure about, you know, how these guys are vetted. I know that when I get into a New York City um, taxi and limousine commission cab, um, that these guys are registered. And two, yeah. you know, I, I it, it's cost them hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars for, for their taxi medallions that are yeah. just being devalued into nothing. And to me, that's directly related to a lot of what's happened to our industry. That's exactly right. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, I think there's a lot of uh, potential that SAG can exploit and that it current SAG-AFTRA. I know you're going to pick me up on that, Melissa. Yes, I'm, um, I was going to pick you up SAG-AFTRA. It's a couple more syllables. I know, I know. Sorry, I'm being lazy. Um and but there, there's a lot of potential there to retain work and to grow the union world in a way that the non-union world has dominated in the last few years. So I'm very hopeful that it actually does do that. And there's some rumblings and uh, that SAG after opening their voiceover office, and uh, that that's very exciting. And there's a lot of potentially pretty good things in the works. So uh, I'd like to leave it there with some positives, if we can. So. 
Thank you to all three of you. That was uh, really good. So we'll go around. If anyone wants to find out more information about any of you, where do they go, Melissa, to find out more about you? Um, my website, melissax.com. Okay. And Karen? They can go to karengilfrey.com. And Karen is spelled like car in the garage. C-A-R-I-N-G-I-L-F-R-Y dot com. And if you're in the New York area, yes, your Facebook if you're group. in the New York area, I have a Facebook group called Voice Actors of NYC, and we get together for all kinds of events and classes. And most of our events and classes are free and donation based. So if you're in the New York area, come join us. Yeah, I can vouch for that. And Dan, thank you also for joining us. Uh, how do people get in contact with you? Well, it depends on what they want. Um, if they need my voice, they can go to danleonard.com. That's danleonard, L-E-N-A-R-D.com, C-O-M. Uh, if, they're, if they need help with their home studio, uh, they can go to my website where I deal exclusively with helping people set up their home studios properly, and that's homevoiceoverstudio.com. And if they want to have a good time on a Monday night, uh, they can watch VoiceOver Body Shop, which they can find at VOBS.TV. Absolutely. Highly recommended. Great show. Okay. All three of you, thank you very much for talking about that. I know it was a difficult subject, but I think we got through a lot of it without too much controversy and pain. Thank you for having us. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jamie. Always a pleasure to talk to you. It's a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Okay, there we are. Thank you to everyone, Melissa, Corin, and Dan. That was a very difficult subject, and thank you to all three of them for making it as simple as possible and for covering as much as they did in such a short period of time. We didn't cover everything because, like I say, it's very complicated. We only had an hour, and um, there are so many different perspectives to look at this through. We will be back again in a couple of weeks. Next week is our Zoom discussion on this subject. Now, I would definitely advise you to consider joining that. Now, to join that, you have to be a patron, patreon.com slash school, And then you can interact with some of these union experts and ask questions in the safety and privacy of your own home. And you can... Uh, get answers to questions that you may not be able to find easily elsewhere so that's enough plugging of that but it is always a really fascinating discussion and um, I think is pretty beneficial to you as a voice talent I mean I would say that but I honestly think it is anyway I will see you again soon thank you for listening and ta-ta for now Thank you to this week's guests, to Backstage Magazine and to Kyle Marie Colucci for social media support. A big thank you to our sponsors, J. Michael Collins Demos and IPDTL, and to you for listening. I'll see you next time. <laughs>